Well, I simply want to say thank you, Lord, and thank you, people, for helping Rosewood Church of the Nazarene to pay off about $3,400,000 in mortgages and loans in just over 15 years. We praise the Lord. Radio listeners, internet listeners, we praise God for his faithfulness and help over these years in enabling us to meet our financial needs and obligations. Well, I want to say to you, to begin with, and I want to say to God, thank you, Lord, for the story of removing the big mound of topsoil. <laughs> yes. Some of you might recall that when we first bought these eight acres, there was a huge mound of topsoil on this property. It was put here when the other large building next door was constructed back, I believe, in the 1970s. And uh, we encountered many difficulties and, uh, and many ways in which the Lord helped us to build this church in years gone by. And before we could actually start construction, we had to have that large pile of topsoil removed from this eight-acre building site. How many of you, uh, how many of you in fact, actually took some of the topsoil? We, we tried to get people to take as much topsoil as they would, but we still, we still had to have a lot of it trucked away. Oh, a few of you got that topsoil for free, okay? So anyway... We, we, had, we had to get several prices as to what it would cost to remove the topsoil. And then we hired a particular contractor to haul away the topsoil at a cost of about $430,000. Now, please keep in mind, when I say we hired a contractor, that was not, that was not Don Hockey construction. The, this uh, soil removal was actually before we officially began to work with the hockey management team, all right? Anyway, the job of removing this topsoil was going to take anywhere from four to six months, depending on how things went. I think uh, when the removal of the topsoil job was about nine-tenths completed, it was almost completed, I received a phone call from a trucking company. And the man said this, he said, Reverend, Rev, we haven't been paid for nearly two months, and your church, your church owes us about, it was either $91,000 or $93,000. He said, your church owes us, big time. Now, at first, to be honest with you, I thought, I thought it was a, a prank call because I knew that every week we had been giving the contractor a big check based on how much topsoil was trucked out. We were smart enough to not write a large check, but rather to pay as the work was being done, okay? So I asked the caller, I asked the caller what was the name of his trucking company. He told me, and uh, I said, <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, I, I'm sorry, sir, I'm sorry, but you, you must be calling the wrong church. <laughs> you must be calling the wrong church because our contract is with another company with a totally different name. And then he went on to tell me that the contractor that we hired made a deal with his company, with his company, about halfway through the job 
to help speed up the removal of the soil. Well, I told them that we had absolutely no idea that they were a subcontractor. I didn't know our building chairman, Patrick Alfred, he didn't know, nobody knew. Uh, we, you know, all we did was we, we saw trucks coming and going, coming and going, and we, saw, we thought that all those trucks belonged to the contractor that we hired. So I then called the, co the caller, um, I then told the caller, rather, that they, uh, they should be getting paid by the contractor because we were paying the contractor every week faithfully. He insisted they had been hauling topsoil off our property for about six or seven weeks and had not been paid a cent. Well, I was shocked. I was shocked. I told him I was going to have to call the contractor to find out why, why the trucking company had not been paid and that I would get back to him. Well, I started phoning. I started phoning and, and phoning 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 the soil removal contractor. And there was never a pickup. No one would answer. As best as I can recall, I eventually drove over to his office several times, many times, and there was no one there, no one there, no one there. And finally, I ended up going on a day when I got him. He was there. I got him. I kindly told him very nicely about the phone call, and I asked him why he had not paid the subcontracted trucking company. Well, he insisted that he had paid them and that there was no reason for them to be complaining and to be phoning me. So now I thought, oh boy, what in the world is going on here? I thought, this is strange. He says he has been paying them. The other fellow insisted they were not being paid. Who is telling the truth? I said to him, okay, can you please show me in your accounting books where it says you paid the specific amounts on specific days to the trucking company? He said, well, he said all the payment records were with his accountant and his accountant wasn't available and that he would show me some other day. I thought, hmm, this is fishy. I became suspicious. I left the contractor's office and I phoned the company that was complaining, the truck company that was complaining about not getting paid. I told him the contractor insisted that he has in fact paid them. And of course the trucking owner said, sir, pastor, the, the, we have not been paid. We have not been paid a cent. He demanded. He demanded that he and the other truck drivers meet with me at our church property to discuss the issue. We set a date and time, and uh, I prayed about the meeting. I prayed about the meeting because I thought, are these truck drivers wanting to, to beat me up? <laughs> you know, are they, are, they, are they inviting me to a royal rumble or, or, or what? Um, I wondered whether 
whether or not to bring some bodyguards. Uh, I remember quoting to myself Bible verses like probably uh, um, Psalm 46.1, God is my refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. <laughs> now, I can't remember if I asked anyone else to join me. I, I, as far as I recall, I don't think I did. But uh, anyway, so I came to the building site that day for that appointment. And uh, when, when we met, when we met about seven or eight dump truck drivers arrived and they parked their trucks and the trucks are going <laughs> kind of reminded me of their anger type of thing, you know. And uh, when we met, when we met, the truck drivers were angry, but, but I, I, I had to give them credit and I still give them credit today. They were, they were very respectful towards me and I did not feel threatened. And from our meeting, from our meeting, I came to the conclusion that they were telling me the truth. They had not been paid by the contractor whom we had paid. I realized, of course, that the contractor had lied to me. I sincerely apologized to the truckers and told them I would go and plead with a contractor to pay them. I went back to the contractor, told him about my meeting with the seven or eight truckers, I asked him to please show me accounting proof that he paid them. He insisted he paid the truckers but could not show me any proof, and I realized that, of course, I could not trust him. We could not trust him at that point. I phoned the trucking company, explained the situation, and asked for their patience as to, as to the whole issue, and I asked if, we could just give us, give us, if they could just give us some time to try to get the contractor to pay them. Some days later, the trucking company sent us a letter saying that if we didn't pay the full amount of 91000 or 93000 whatever it was, but if we didn't pay by a specific date, they would put a lien on our property and that they would take us to court and all those not-so-nice things. We had owed the contractor about uh, $23,000 for work that had been done, and so that we were just about to pay him for, but in light of this, we said, okay, we're not going to give that 23000 to him. Uh, we're going to give it to, to the trucking company towards that $91,000 bill. Well, the trucking company insisted that they were still owed about 70000 and that they were going to take us to court. At that point, Upon the advice of Don Hawking management team, which was going to help us build the church after the topsoil was removed, we hired, we hired a lawyer for the court case that they were, that they were uh, going to involve us in. Now, here, here's an example of how the Lord works behind the scenes. A little while after we hired the lawyer and explained the whole situation to him, the trucking company that was taking us to court also, also, by chance, phoned the same lawyer which we had already hired. 
And the trucking company said to this lawyer, he said, Mr. So-and-so, we need to hire you to take Rosewood Church to court for not paying us for truck work that we have done for them. So, out of the thousands of lawyers here in the city, they ended up calling the same lawyer. And the lawyer said to, to the, the caller, he said, Mr. Trucker, Rosewood Church has already hired me. I know exactly what has happened here. The church has not done you any wrong. The church does not owe you any more money. Your subcontract agreement was with the contractor and not with the church. And the lawyer said to him, you need to take to court the contractor and not the church. Leave the church alone. Leave Pastor Nick alone. And he said to him, he said, if you insist on taking the church to court, I assure you, you will lose, and I will make sure that you pay for the church's legal bill plus compensation for the aggravation you are causing the church. The truck company dropped the court case against us. Amen? Think about it, my friends. Think about it. In a city this big, with thousands of lawyers, what were the chances of the truck company trying to hire the same lawyer which we had hired upon the recommendation of hockey management team? That lawyer convinced the trucking company to stop demanding money from us and to pursue the contractor, which I had tried to tell the trucking company to do. By the way, I, I can't recall if that lawyer ever sent us a bill. I don't know if Mr. Hibbs, if you recall, if that lawyer ever sent us a bill back in 2002. I think we got a small bill. A small bill, okay. All right. Well, I, I told you, my friends, I told you that story to remind us that whether it's an individual or a church situation, I told you it because it's a beautiful reminder that God is our defender and protector. Amen? 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 The story, the story of removing the big mound of topsoil is indeed a reminder that you and I can call upon the Lord as our defender and protector. And there are many Bible verses that communicate this truth. Let's just look at a few of them. Let's, let's read them together, would you? For the Lord is their defender. He will ruin anyone who ruins them. Proverbs 22, 23. Deuteronomy 32, 4. The Lord is your mighty defender, perfect and just in all his ways. Your God is faithful and true. He does what is right and fair. It's from the Good News Translation. Psalm 18, verse 2. The Lord is my protector. He is my strong fortress. My God is my protector, and with him I am safe. He protects me like a shield. He defends me and keeps me safe. Psalm 138, verse 7. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You'll, you reach out your hand, and the power of your right hand saves me. 
2 Samuel 22, 2-4. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. He is my refuge, my Savior, the one who saves me from violence. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3. For the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. So, beloved, be encouraged today. Be encouraged as we think about our own experience in, in preparing to build this church, that God is your, God is our protector. He is our defender. He is the one we can call upon, we can count upon. And indeed, as Psalm 46, verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in time of trouble. Amen? So whatever situation you are going through, you are facing or might face in the future, say, Lord, thank you, thank you, for you are my defender and my protector. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Let me take you to this uh, next beautiful truth here. And it is this. We want to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the story of the generosity of our people. As I said earlier, we bought the eight acres of land here on Milner Avenue in October 1998. It cost us $1,275,000. In the year 2000, our church board and I were wise enough, we were wise enough to ask an organization called Commitment Ministries, led by Reverend Fred Witte, to help us raise at least $1 million more in the next, in the following three years in order for us to be able to afford to build what we felt the Lord wanted us to build here. We needed to raise at least another million dollars. Well, about 60 to 70 of us, some of you will recall this, about 60 to 70 of us started to attend Wednesday evening teaching sessions in which Reverend Witte reminded us, reminded us from the Bible, the following important truths. All right? One of the truths was this. Everything you and I have is from God and belongs to God. How many of you remember this? Yes? The Bible teaches us this in 1 Chronicles 29, verses 12 and 14, for example. King David is speaking as he and his people were making large donations towards the eventual building of the temple which King David's son Solomon was going to carry out. And David, David says in 1 Chronicles 29, verse 12, he says, wealth and honor come from you. By the way, when you see these notations at the end of the Bible verses like NIV, that, that means that's a, from the New International Version. Sometimes you'll see NLT, New Living Translation, okay? Then verse 14, verse 14 there says, why don't you read it out loud uh, with me if we have it on the, okay, we don't have that one on the screen. Okay, verse 14 says, but who am I? But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? King David was saying, wow, isn't it something that I and we can give as generously as this towards the building of God's temple? 
And he says, he says, everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Amen? Reverend Witte from the Holy Bible reminded us not to hold, not to hold on to our money too tightly because, because it wasn't even ours to begin with. It was the Lord's. The money you have, the belongings you and I have, it, it belongs to the Lord. It's from him. All we have is from him. And in those teaching sessions, Reverend Witte reminded us of a second great truth, and, and that was this. Second truth was this. He said, have faith that God is able to accomplish great things through us. Uh, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God. Read it out loud with me from the big screen. Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. Amen? And then a third truth which Reverend Witty reminded us of was this. Number three was, you and I will be blessed when we give generously. We are and we will be blessed when we give to the best of our ability. Luke 6, verse 38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Amen? And the last line in the New Living Translation says, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, Reverend Witte was very careful to point out that he was, not, he was not promoting a prosperity gospel. He doesn't believe that. We don't believe that. He was just saying that the Bible tells us that when we are generous with the Lord's work, he blesses us in various ways. And many of you, many of us have experienced the Lord's blessings in, in various, various times and various ways. All right? Now, there was a lot more, a lot more that Reverend Witte taught us, and he organized us. He organized us into various stewardship campaign teams, teams or committees, and each team had a specific job to do, a specific task. I, I want to ask you, I want to ask you, please stand in a moment. Please stand if you were on any of our stewardship teams in 2000 or 2003, 2006, 2009. Some of you served as chairperson of the stewardship campaign. Others of you were captains of a team. Others of you were members, valuable members of, of those different teams. Just stand right where you are. Don't be shy. I know a lot of you are shy. Just stand, okay? Those of you who are on the various teams, okay, that's it. Stand, stand. That's it. Give my hand, would you? Give my hand. All right. All right. All right. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you. And these dear four folks, and I'm sure many others, uh, served on these teams that helped to prepare us for our, our, for our pledging, for our pledging. Amen? Now, throughout July, August, and September of 2000, Reverend Woody challenged us to pray, to pray and ask God how much, how much our financial commitment would be to our building project for the next three years. Amen? And our, our theme was, you remember, our theme was, was not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. Say it with me, would you? Not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. 
after we went through the training with Reverend Whitty in the summer of 2000, and a little bit in the fall, then we had a dinner. We had a dinner for the leaders of our stewardship campaign and other leaders of our church. For that dinner, we said, please, please come prepared to submit your pledge card as to what you believe God is going to help you to give in the next three years. During one of those teaching times, teaching sessions with Reverend Whitty, as I was sitting, as I was sitting in our old, our previous sanctuary, listening to the lesson, God's Spirit clearly communicated to me that my wife, my wife and I needed to pledge and to give $100,000 over and above our uh, regular tithes. And fortunately, I said, I said, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. I don't know how we will give that much, but Lord, I want to be obedient. Not my will, but your will, Lord. I said, yes, Lord. Sometime after that teaching session, I, uh, I, of course, had to talk to my wife, and I told my wife with fear and trembling, <laughs> fear and trembling, that uh, she and I needed to pledge and give $100,000 in the following three years, between 2000 and 2003. And to my joy, great joy, my wife agreed. My wife agreed. And I said, Lord, this is a God thing. This is a God thing. Praise the Lord. Well, the day arrived. The day arrived in September 2000 when we held our stewardship campaign dinner for the leaders. And I was excited. I was excited because I thought since the Lord had communicated to me what my wife and I should give, surely... The Lord was communicating with others as well. Initially, there were about 100 leaders signed up to attend this very special banquet. As we got closer to the banquet date, some people started dropping out. And I said, Lord, this doesn't look good. You know? On the banquet day, the weather was dull and dreary and rainy, a few more people phoned up and said they either couldn't or, or wouldn't be able to attend the banquet. I said, Lord, this really doesn't look good. Well, my wife and I arrived at the banquet location. As best as I recall, we ended up having 69 people present. If anyone remembers more accurately than that, you can speak to me afterwards. But anyway, we had 69 people present, many of whom were husbands and wives. And I silently said, Lord, can anything good, can anything good and big come out of a small group like this? I was nervous. We had, we had a lovely dinner. Then came some marvelous testimonies and a brief program and devotions. And then came the time to submit our three-year pledge. I looked at our little group, and I thought, Lord, Lord, no one here is rich unless someone is hiding something. <laughs> Not as far as I knew, they weren't. I said, Lord, no one here is rich. How much, how much could our total possibly be with this little group of people here? Well, our recording secretary, Eric, 
added up the pledges, and he came to give me the total to announce. He showed me the total. I was, I was joyfully shocked. I said, Eric, Eric, please go back. Go back again and count again. I don't want to be reporting the wrong total. He said, Pastor Nick, I already added them up twice. I said, I don't care, Eric. Go and do it a third time. We cannot be wrong, okay? No mistakes, please. Eric came back and insisted the total was correct. And I was thrilled to announce to, announce to that generous, faith-filled, small group of people that the total pledged was about $872,000. All right? Amen. Uh, we probably burst out upon the inspiration of the pastor. We probably burst out into praise God from whom all blessings flow. And, and I probably uh, burst out into tears because I had no idea, I had no idea what the total pledges were going to be. In the Sundays that followed, we received pledges from the rest of our congregation, and our pledges went up to $1,434,000 for those three years to come. Now, some of you are wondering, well, that's, uh, that's great, Pastor Nick, that $1,434,000 was promised, was pledged, but how much actually came in between 2000 and 2003? In actuality, we received 1,300,000, which was just over 90% of what was pledged, all right? After that first three-year pledge in the year 2000, then we had further three-year pledges in 2003, 2006, 2009. In a couple of those years, the total pledge was a little bit less than the first three years, and in one of those years, the amount pledged was actually higher than our first three-year pledge. In uh, 2002, we then started to have those one-year monthly pledges, okay? My friends, it was through our pledging, along with a, a few larger donations that we received occasionally, that we have been able to pay our monthly mortgages. For many years, we were paying out about 18000 between seventeen dollars and $18,000 per month. And uh, it was through our pledging and uh, a few of those other donations that we were able to pay the monthly mortgages and loans and ultimately have paid off $3,400,000 in mortgages and loans in just over 15 years. And so, church family, it is, it is with uh, deep and great gratitude that I say to us and I say to the Lord, thank you, Lord, and thank you, people, for helping Rosewood Church of the Nazarene to pay off $3,400,000 in these mortgages and loans in just over 15 years. Amen. Stan, would you, Anthony, would you take, would you take your piano, keyboard, brother? Let's stand and sing praise God 
from whom all blessings flow. Amen. Praise him, all creatures here below. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Heavenly heart.